Hello and welcome to another episode of West Underground. Today is a very special interview indeed, ladies and gentlemen, because we, had, uh, we have Fireglow joined us today and uh, I'm very excited for this interview. Um, I was just saying to you boys off the before we started this, you know, I wish we'd, I almost wish we'd done this earlier with you guys because I've seen you guys live. You're a fantastic live band, a funny live band too. We'll have to talk about that a bit later, but yeah. Um, I just want to throw it over the mic over to you boys and um, just ask straight off the bat, I suppose, how did you guys start, you know, the band? Good question. Oh. We we sort of got together in about 2018, yeah. sort of mid, midway through then. And my mate and I, so Chris, the lead guitarist of the band, um, we've been playing together for years. And we, we, we thought we'll have one more crack at, you know, starting a band. And uh, we put the ad out there on Facebook, a uh, photo of a, and a Stratocaster and a Rickenbacker. And thankfully, the stars aligned and Bruno managed to see that ad. Bruno? Well, I saw the guitar, to be honest with you. <laughs> when I saw the Rickenbacker, I said, well, that sounds like, you know, it has to be a good stuff. So I've checked out and I liked it. And me and Frankie, which is the drummer, my second wife, <clears throat> uh, We've been playing together for a long time as well. So we left another band that we were in before and he was playing another band, but we really wanted to keep going playing together. So I said, well, these guys are looking for a drum and bass. Like, and you know, I listened to the song and said, this is cool. So we went, we jammed together. And the first jam we did was just like, wow, <laughs> that's it. We are, we are doing this. And uh, that's the rest is history, isn't it? I say. <laughs> Wow, that's a great story. I'm I'm so glad that the Rick and Back, uh, you know, drew you in from the start. And it's all about the Rick, yeah. It's it's right behind me actually. It um, wants to be part of the interview as well. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's funny because with, it's not just a Rick and Backer, but um, it's a Maple Glow, and so Bruno happens to have a Maple Glow Rick and Backer bass. So I remember that was one of the first things that we noticed. We thought, oh wow, you know, we've both got a <laughs> Maple Glow Rick and Backer. So. Yeah. Yeah, we still do. Yeah, <laughs> we still we have still And uh, while we're continuing about, you know, talking about Rickenbackers, um, I think it's important to bring up the the Beatles. Like they were the first people I'd ever seen play Rickenbackers. And I thought, bloody hell, that's a strange guitar John's holding, but I kind of want one. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, speaking of the Beatles, like your sound is very reminiscent of the Beatles. Like were they a huge influence to all of you, like individually? Well, I am, I've got the yellow submarine here and I'm a huge Beatles fan. So like uh, I've done, you know, I went to Liverpool a couple of times just to go around and see the places. I, yeah, I love the Beatles. Like for me, it's the best band that ever existed, but I like a lot of other stuff as well. But I think Sean and Chris are in the same path, but they also be Tom Petty fan and stuff like that. Well, the drummer was not a Beatles fan at all. And it's funny because now we recorded Rain during this lockdown thing. There's a really cool video on our page for Rain. And he started to play and he was like, wow, this is really cool. And I said, well, <laughs> I always try to tell you, but you never listen. <laughs> Go, Sean. No, you're right. I mean, I, th I think it was the Beatles who really popularized uh, the Rickenbacker, uh, the brand. Um, they'd been around, but uh, my understanding is, you know, they, they at the time, they, they didn't really have a lot of access to, say, Fender or, or Gibson, which they, you know, may very well have grabbed, um, gone for if they if they could. 
But um, yeah, I love the Rickenbacker. And, and as for the Beatles, well, you know, I, I regard them as the greatest music act. I mean, there's lots of great bands, but no one can compete with them in terms of the sheer quality and quantity of the music. So huge, huge impact on us as a band and individually. You know, they certainly changed my life. You know, I didn't really play music until I heard the Beatles. And um, I remember it was Sergeant Pepper. I put that on and literally, I, not, not uh, lying, my, my jaw dropped. I was just, wow, I couldn't believe how good the sound was. I just loved it. So I'll never forget that. And so that has been a thing that we have in common. Certainly with Bruno, we, we love the Beatles. Um, but as he said, there's a, there's a huge range of influences there as well. Well, that's a, that, that's amazing, guys. I'm also a huge Beatle fan. I lived in uh, like Dubbo as a kid growing up, and um, oh. and and I suppose I I thought the Beatles was still a current band when I was a kid. Like you know, <laughs> I, they that teaches us who's your favorite, you know, who's your favorite uh, music act, and you had to do like a show and tell. And I said, oh, I love the Beatles. I want to see the Beatles. And my teacher had to like sit me down and say, Hamish. Hey, <laughs> uh, and deliver me the bad news which broke my heart from that day oh, on God. It, it sounded like the uh Santa Claus story of the truth sounds like because she had to sit you down like oh look hamish yeah pretty <laughs> much man like it, it just broke my heart she's like well you you know you might be lucky enough to see paul or you know and i was like what <laughs> there, there's something like that. what yeah because because i mean like as a, as a pop culture act you you, you can't you know the legacy of the Beatles. You've got the Yellow Submarine on your arm. I went into like a like a toy shop, and you can buy like Lego Submarine Lego Absolutely. and stuff. Now, yeah, you, you know it's almost like they're still you know current, even how many years after. Well, um, look, it might surprise you to know I'm not a professional musician. I'm actually a history teacher, and we teach popular culture. That's one of the units that we do, and you can imagine. Yeah, in my love of teaching that topic, <laughs> and I basically just teaching the Beatles. Uh, we and it's certainly a big uh, part of the topic to teach to teach the Beatles uh, when they came to Australia as a huge um, or cultural uh, event for Australian uh, audiences and the impact that that had. I mean, even a few years ago, about well, it was actually 2014, they had a, an ex, an exhibit at the Maritime Museum commemorating 50 years since the Beatles visited i mean wow. what other band would they have in 50 years time <laughs> a, a museum exhibit on when they came uh, maybe fire but apart from that <laughs> I, 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 I don't know <laughs> yeah well, it, it's just funny like how it goes on and on because you know i've got two kids and um they're both drummers and one is seven one is nine and they both love the beatles and it's the same thing like for them they didn't have the idea that the band was already finished. They just liked the music. When I said, no, this is old music. Some two of them are dead. <gasps> really? I said, yeah. I said, maybe we, we can sip on my cup. And he goes, well, that's something. I said, yeah. I've got a question for you, Sean. I am all for a, a, a music class that does history of rock, like a history oh, yes. subject of the history, like something like a character like Jack Black teaching it. Like, you know, the history of rock, and he just goes through the he years, the theory and the practical side of it. I reckon that'd be a great subject because it's true. Like, there is a history of music that, you know, you go well, through the timelines of different bands and all. I reckon there should be a real subject. I agree. I had a teacher at uni, and his name's Bernie Howitt, and he's actually quite well known in certainly the history teaching fraternity and, and 
society and culture, but also in popular culture in Australia, like uh, rock music. You may have heard of him. I don't know. He does go by other names as well, just sort of he's a bit like that. And he used to swear that um, he could teach all of history through popular culture. And, and he, he would make the point that, you, you know, if you look at what was popular in terms of music or art at a, at a time, and it reveals a lot about the society at the True. time. Um, so he was really passionate about that. I, um, I loved him. He was a great teacher. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't say much about today's society uh, when <laughs> you know, it's all about other stuff. I mean, we don't want to knock other people's music, but um, it's, it's, not, it's not quite the Beatles in the 60s. That's certainly mm -hmm. true. Yeah, it, it 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 there's definitely a lack of something, you know, lack of magic, you know, at the moment. But you know, I was going to ask too, like, while we're still on this topic, you and your guitarist have fantastic harmonies. Like, how long did it take to practice that and get it, you know, down? Thank you. Uh, yeah, we're, we're still working on them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, that's something that we always wanted to do. Actually, we never wanted to be a band that um, you know didn't sing sort of in unison. A lot of the music we loved had harmonies, obviously the Beatles, but um, even, even like Eagles and just like any of those bands, they, they have harmony. So it was always something we wanted to do. Um, and certainly I'd say in more recent times, we've really sort of taken it to the next level. Um, we've really sort of, it took us a long time to see ourselves as singers, I think. And uh, certainly with this band, it's made us realize, well, we really do need to um, see ourselves in that way. But uh, yeah, thanks for the kind words. Uh, I think we're okay. I think we're we're getting better. I think I think you guys are bloody brilliant at it. I just sat there with my jaw on the floor watching that. I was like, uh, you know, you're you're playing in time. You're singing. It, it's 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 perfect. You've lined it up really well. And I was like, that's so hard to do. <laughs> you must have spent a lot of time sitting together in a hallway or something and just trying to get that going. Yeah. Well, thank you again. But uh, but you know, we have been playing together for a long time. Yeah. Um, so and and. I think our voices complement each other as well. Um, we've got very different uh, styles of singing um, and, and they just work together, I think. But yeah. so, certainly, uh, you know, Bruno and Frankie have pushed us to be better at that as well. So thank you. Good to know we're doing something right. Oh man, absolutely. You know, you know, if you guys, you know, if you guys keep going with this, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to kind of see how, how good it will get in the future, you know, in the future. Um, but yeah, Bruno, like, did you have anything to add to that? Like when they started, have you seen it, you know, kind of um, the, de the development of the harmonies? Were they, were they a bit rough to start with? And No, absolutely. Like, especially because I can't sing, for God's sake. So when I heard that singing, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And coming from the same background as they do, which I love music with harmony, I saw a big, big potential there because two things like that i really do love in this band is the harmonies that they can sing but not just that we have two songwriters that means they are always singing on each other's songs but and the songwriting is quite different so it brings a lot of variety for me and the drama we just go like wow you know the songs are very different from each other and for us it's like so good because we have to work in things that are completely different from each other but has the unity to bring it together through the singing because the, the, the harmonies are always there. The songs can be a bit different, but that's sort of, a, you know, the trademark because it's always in every song. Yeah. Such a gentleman, Bruno. Thank you. Ah, oh, you're welcome, Sean. Talk later. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And you, you, Bruno, you touched on a little bit of like um, the songwriting experience. Now, is it just you two guys, uh, Sean and 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 um, I've just forgotten your guitarist name. Off Chris. My head. Chris. Yeah. Is it just you two sitting down and writing the songs, and then do you bring them to the band? Like, do you write sometimes with the band, or how how's it go? So, yeah, well, so far the process has been, you know, the songs that we've written and we bring them to the band. Um, but you know the evolution of, of the band is such that you know we're starting to collaborate a bit more. There, there is a song that, um, for example, there's a song called "Modern Life" that actually started with Bruno's bassline. Yeah, he, he sent us this bassline, and I think it was probably within a couple of hours, Chris had made it into a song. So that's one of one example of a process where it was a little bit different. But on the whole, I mean, you talk about the Beatles. We're not we are not the Beatles, but having you know, we're influenced by this idea that you can have two singers in a band and you can have two songwriters in a band. And, and, and as Bruno said, it gives a lot of variety, which is, which is good. Um, but looking forward to doing a different kind of collaboration as well, you know, yeah. working on other songs, jamming think, a bit more. I think with the lockdown process, like we had to, it was a good thing for us. We all had to learn how to record at home. So I was not really good at it. Frankie, you know, for recording drums is a bit more tricky, but he actually had a unit that's a Yamaha unit that he started to use it and the sound was pretty good. So we said, well, we can do much more now, like because I had a song another day that I had the whole guitar done in my head. So I lay down, I sent to Frankie, he recorded the drums. So now we can do the things, you know, I can have like a like I'm not really good in lyrics, but I can have the whole song as Modern Life was. I had the whole track in my head of the bass, so I recorded, sent it to Chris. It was actually in probably one hour he sent me back the song, and I was like, oh, what the hell? And then we, we took it to the band. But with this lockdown, we all learned a bit more how to record. So I think it's been really good in this sense. Wow, man, that's amazing. And uh <clears throat> Are you guys all recording on Logic, Pro Tools? What's kind of been your 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 individual poisons, I suppose, for recording? It's it's, it's an addiction. That's certainly true. Uh, Chris and I sort of use Reaper, and I think that's what he's got Bruno onto. Bruno, I think, has um, chewed Chris's ear a lot in the, uh, this lockdown. How do we do it? Yeah. Uh, but he's done well. So yeah, we use Reaper, but you know, I used to use Pro Tools. Like uh, Bruno said, Frankie's got a whole other thing going on. He's got some little app um, that goes onto his phone. So very proud of Frankie. Frankie's done very well to do that. To record drums uh, very well is fantastic. Um, but look, on that point, Chris and I, for as long as I can remember, have always recorded at home. It's just, it just I can't imagine not recording at home. We've, we've always done it. He's taught me a lot about all that. And um, I mean, with all the songs that we've done so far, Chris has even, uh, he mixed them. He mixes and masters those as well. So, so he's really into it. He's, he's more into it than I am. Uh, but at the same time, I think I was saying this to Bruno the other day, um, recording at home is, it's really one of the best things you can do to become a better musician. You hear yourself back instantly, uh, especially for me uh, with the vocals. Uh, I used to hate recording vocals, but I actually quite enjoy it now because it's made me better because you yeah. hear yourself and you don't know oh, I'm out there or whatever it is. Um, and it makes you more creative too. You know, you can lay down a track and then just play over it and try different things. So yeah, the creative part of the huge part of the creative process is recording for us. Definitely. Do you have moments where you get sucked into the void of the, of the home studio world? 
you know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, can, you can waste, you can waste hours uh, doing it. But at the same time, you know, you could either waste hours doing something creative or uh, doing something else that's not as creative. So as long as you're being creative, I think this is what I've said this to Frankie recently because when he's recording his drums, you want it to be simple though. You know, the, the whole, all the home, home studio stuff need, needs to be good, but you don't, you don't want to detract from the creativity. You want to just be able to set it up and give a good performance. Because at the end of the day, you know, you might not have the best microphone or the best computer or, or whatever it is. That's not the secret to a great recording. Um, the secret to a great recording is the performance. If you don't give, you, you could have the great, you know, you can have, you know, $5,000 guitar. And if you can't play it well, it's going to be a bad recording. Yeah. Whereas, you know, play on a cheaper guitar, cheaper microphone. If you give a good performance, it's going to sound good. 100%. I, you know, what you just said was, um, when I went to university, we had a, um, you know, one of our lecturers was uh, a guy that used to work at, you know, for Virgin Records. And um, he, he cut all these bands and he, and he just said, like, that is how you get the best result. If I, if I had some, you know, hotshot band from Sydney come into my thing, I would, I wouldn't hook up, you know, the $10,000 microphones or the, you know, that it would just be, very very simple just to capture their sound and not you know not make it feel like um just so the performance is you know killer yeah that, that would be my philosophy uh, as well i mean it is nice to have good equipment that it, you know that certainly helps but um it's the performance you know you could bring in jimmy barnes into your home studio give him a, an average microphone he's going to make a sound awesome because he's awesome you know and um that's what it comes down to for me yeah, man, for sure. And, um, and, um, one, one more thing I want to touch on the, on like the songwriting process for you guys. Do you like when you, will you just write a whole song yourself and, you know, have an idea, have a structure, have the melody worked out in the chords? Well, well, then you take it to Chris and he will have a look over it and say, will you do that differently? Will you do that differently? And then do you go to the band or do you kind of do that in the band practice and rehearsals? Do you critique it? there and fine tune it i guess simple answer is no no now we don't do a lot of that stuff um we, we yeah there's not, there's not a lot of chris and i did once try to sit down and say let's write a song yeah and it didn't work for us um so our our approach is normally i will write the song on my own he'll write a song on his own and and that's pretty much it um you know we'll write the chords the lyrics often the structure as well yeah and then we bring it to the band. We might record a demo and give it to Bruno and Frankie and give it to during the rest the, of the band. But during the rehearsals, like we, we normally work on those beats and we can change things around in the rehearsal saying, well, what about we do this twice or we take this back and forward or, yeah. so that's when we get creative with the song. Most of the times it's nearly there anyway, but when they listen with our parts, it's gonna sound different because yeah. you know it's i'm putting my beat frank is putting his beat and always comes new ideas as well and uh yeah so yeah it's been really no, i agree cool. i was going to say that you know the, the song itself like chords and lyrics will write but then we bring it to the band and it always sounds better yeah. always sounds better i mean in the past i have recorded a demo with you know drum and bass as well but it's um as frankie would say it's meat and potato uh, drums you know it's just really basic i'm not 
trying to um, pretend I'm a drummer and same with the bass. So, I mean, just the other day I sent a song to Bruno and Frankie and the bass line that Bruno's put on, I could never even imagine. So absolutely. It then becomes a collaborative process once it's with the band, but yeah. the initial song, uh, there's not a lot of collaboration between Chris and I, you know, you imagine, you know, songwriters, a team of songwriters, they get together and write a verse and then someone, you know, add some lyrics and, we, we tend to not do a lot of that. There's a little bit here and there. You know, there've probably been some examples where I've suggested, you know, maybe maybe try that w- lyric instead yeah. and it works or, and, and even like, I mean, you know, you could say some, some songs, so I don't know what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a train of thought and I've lost it, but um, you know, there are songs where I play a part that Chris has come up with on his song and he'll play parts that I've actually come up with. So there's no, oh, I came up with that riff song I'm going to play it. There's a lot of collaboration in that sense as well. Yeah. Wow, man. Have you, have you ever put one together? Like you've, you've kind of had half one, you know, finished one and you've. Yes. Yes, we have. So um, it, it hasn't happened often, but yeah, just last year we actually had it. So Chris had an idea of a song. Um, he, it was just like a riff, but a really yeah. nice, cool riff. And it kind of followed a chord structure and he couldn't do anything with it or he just wasn't in the frame of mind to do anything with it. And because we recorded home, he sent it over to me and something about it, you know, made me fall in love with it. I thought this could be something. And I did write sort of some lyrics uh, to it and a tune. And so that's one occasion. It's a very rare occasion where we actually have done that and it worked. So like I was saying before, we're definitely looking forward to writing songs in, in, in different ways um, because you can only, it, it's more fun that way, actually. Um, I don't know how you find it, but, you, you know, when you're jamming on your guitar or whatever it is, keyboard, you, you'll have so many ideas that come into your head and you might record it quickly, but, you know, life gets in the way and you just sort of don't get to come back to it. Yeah. So whereas often, you know, what, what, what we really should be doing is, you know, okay, that's an idea I've got. Send, I should send it off to, to Chris or Bruno or whoever. And then they might actually do something with it. So we do need to do that. For sure, for sure. And um, I was having a conversation recently with uh, you know, a musician and he said to me, I reckon the best songs in the world are in people's um, you know, recordings on their phones. You know, yeah. so you have that initial idea and you've, you've gone, okay, I'm going to play that out. Um, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. No, I reckon that there's a lot of truth to that. And I love that idea. I love the idea that possibly the greatest song ever written is just on someone's phone. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And it's, it may never come out. Um, you know, there's all, uh, I mean, not that we're massive fans of, is it Tenacious D or is it Jack Black? But oh. the greatest song of the world, it, it was just a great song. You know, this idea that they played the greatest song of all time, but it was never recorded and we don't remember it. And, no one will ever hear it. I, I love that idea. I mean, Chris and I talk about that. I can imagine, you know, some kid in 1965, he had a little recorder, recorded some really amazing song, but then it got lost and we'll never hear it. <laughs> That's the magic of music. It's not like it's a painting and it can, it's waiting to be discovered. If it was just in somebody's head and then they forgot it, it's gone. <laughs> Well, we all know um, Chuck Berry stole Marty McFly's riff to make Johnny B good. That's right. So we never know. He's exactly know right. Like. Exactly. But yeah, I'm just on top of you guys, obviously, 60s, 70s fans and the theme. 
do we will we ever get another great riff do you ever think we'll ever get another great riff well yes yeah. i mean I, I certainly think that so um you've got to have you, the whole point of being a songwriter i guess is mm. to aim for that um it, it's uh, I, I i agree that it is harder i think yeah to, to, to come up with that it you know but at the same time that's not an excuse I, I think there are still a lot of songs and riffs that haven't been written um but it i i've spoken to chris a lot about this we we like we liken songwriting to sort of mining all right now in the early early days of rock and roll sort of songwriting the, the new mine is gold everywhere you know it's easy to find and that's not saying it was an easy process but now that the mine, you know, the, a lot of the ideas have been sort of used up, it's harder to find, harder to find that gem, but they're still there. You know, if you, and if you believe that there's no more ideas or no more great riffs, well, you, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Bother anymore. There, man. So, yeah, you have to live in hope that, yeah, well, you have to live in hope that maybe one day you will find some gold. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, the only way you can find that, though, is to keep playing, you know, I love Keith Richards, the way he described it. Speaking of riffs, I mean, he's the human riff, right? The way he describes it is you, you'll be playing on your guitar, just jamming and nothing. And then incoming, out of nowhere, it's just this riff or this idea of a song comes and and you don't know where it came from. Again, that's it's a, it's the closest thing to magic that I can think of is, is songwriting, coming up with a riff like that. Yeah, Keith Richards had a dream about this, the riff of satisfaction. So yeah, you're you're yes. absolutely right. We can only be so lucky, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, he, you just dreamt satisfaction. Really. <laughs> only him, eh? Only he would do something like that. Oh, I'm still waiting. <laughs> Drugs yeah, well, probably have a part to play in that. He <laughs> <laughs> might have not been dreaming. He's probably just been awake. <laughs> it was a dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, now going forward, guys, like I, I think you know we can all see the light in the end of the tunnel at the moment you know after you know they're, they're calling it freedom day at the moment and i think when this interview comes out it'll you know will be a little will be past freedom day but um have you guys you know have you guys got many um plans well were you gonna put this interview after but <laughs> we've got to play at frankie's on the 16th so it's the first saturday after they reopen at Frankie's Pizza. So we'll be playing there, which is very exciting. We've got an online gig happening on the on Wednesday now, Wednesday uh, 13th. So there's lots of things coming back and happening, but I think the biggest thing that we ever done as a band is actually happening very soon. And uh, as we said, we always played and record our own stuff yeah. until now. And uh, something really cool happened. Maybe Sean can talk us through it. Yeah, well, um, that's right. We, we've, we've always loved self-producing everything. You know, like I, I mentioned before, Chris does the mixing and the mastering. Uh, all the video clips we've filmed ourselves and, and, and edited ourselves. So we like that homegrown approach. But, um, but just by fate or whatever it is, um, you know, uh, Bruno has uh, got in contact with Steve Balby you know, of noise works yeah. and, and my sex. And so he has working with him has been just the greatest thing. <laughs> he's so down to earth, so easy to work with. And the, the good thing about him too, is the attention to detail. 
is a perfectionist. Uh, so that, that's not something I am. I mean, I am to an extent, but he really takes it to the next level. So where he's, he's producing a couple of songs for us, which is the most exciting thing that's really happened <laughs> to us. So we can't wait for that. I mean, we, we've done a bit of recording with him already, uh, but of course, COVID lockdown got in the way of that. So we've had, that's one of the things we've had to, we've had to wait for. So really looking forward to that. So that's going to be the next big thing that comes from Fireglobe. Yeah. Wow, man, that's a, that, that is fantastic. But like, has that, was it, was it, a, was it a bit of a challenge at first when you first started working with him or was it just, you know, did it push you guys and, you know, out of your comfort zone a little bit and um, you know, what was that experience kind of like if we can dive just a little bit deeper? For me, it was like, a, well, I knew him because his son goes to school with my kid. So they are in the same class. So wow. I actually knew him before. I never knew that he was Steve Balbi. I just <laughs> knew him as Steve. And then Frankie sends me a video one day, say, Bruno, this guy is awesome, man. You should listen to his stuff. And I see the video clip and I see the kid in there. And I said, bloody hell, this is Lucas' friend. And that's Steve. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll go. And I'll go to him and I said, mate, we know I've got a band. I would like you to maybe produce. Do you produce bands? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to like it, this and that. And I said, oh, that's fine. I said, well, I don't want a friendship to get in the way. So he was really nice. And when I played to him, he was like, mate, this is amazing. I really love this stuff. And I was like, really? He goes, yes, let's do it. So we started recording. So as you said, it's different approach because the way we recorded, we went to the studio just to get the sound, the drum sound. The rest we are recording at his place. But the amount of time that we spent just choosing the drums that we're going to use it, how to tune them and how to make that sound. And we were like, oh, my gosh, but like we never done this like three, four hours. Just which snare are we going to use? Which kick drum are we going to use? Which floor tone? And then when you listen to the drums recorded after, you just go my gosh that really paid off like it's unreal like it, yeah. and then you started to understand that's how they pull these you know these great records because there's a lot of work in there which there's not so much we could do it on our own and for me especially it was like a i was a scared ass because he's a bass player and i was <laughs> you know and i'm just going man i went to his place to record and and i said well you know because he's changed a few things on the drums and he said if you want to change on my bass feel free he goes no man i love your bass line just play them and and that made me feel really comfortable and i i lay them and uh, i listen to them now and i was just like oh my gosh this is so good so yeah for me it was like it's it's a game changer i think we um we are having the best material that we ever had as a band yeah oh man that 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 is that is awesome and um when will we get a bit of a you know when when's that going to come out do you have any ideas at the moment or is it just yeah 2030 I think um, it's, 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 <laughs> when it's due, uh, ho hopefully, hopefully something by the end of the year, but um, yeah. that, that's, that's the hope, but uh, we don't know. But yeah, the, the learning experience has been unbelievable. Yeah, he, he, he's a great teacher. I mean, in terms of the songwriting, he helped us with the songs as well. I mean, we had the songs written, but he, he listens to them from an outsider's perspective and has improved the structure and the, in, of the songs as well. So, just can't can't 
be any happier really he's he's you know he's really easy to work with and yeah uh we're having a, a, a really fun time working on these songs with him so yeah Oh, man. I, I feel like Bruno's not being honest because where'd you get that story from? Because I got a feeling you went to your son and he goes, be his friend, be his friend. <laughs> <laughs> I feel they like were... you made that story up just to be humble, but I, I no. you look like a guy who would do that. No, we oh, are friends. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, um, Luca is actually in his school even before I was in this band. So I I didn't really know. I knew that he was, he was a quirky guy. He looked so we connected we talked before not a lot but a few times but he never said anything he's such a humble guy they never said anything i'm a musician or nothing nothing and like well i'm not from australia as well as you can see from my poor english <laughs> so that means i don't know much of the australian music like if he said to me i'm from noiseworks i want to say what is noiseworks or you know because i i didn't grow up here so yeah. i didn't know those bands now I do know because I started to listen to the Australian music, you know, and understanding a bit more. But so for me, it was a, yeah, it was just a funny coincidence, really. Mm. It's a small world. It must be, yeah. must be fate. Yeah. He lives like a couple of streets from me. So it's even ah, better. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there, yeah, the story, eh? The story gets, the story gets uh, you know, deeper. While, while, you know, Paul's touched on the, you know, and you guys, and Bruno, you've touched on how, um, you know your your kids before playing music i think that was one of the cool things to see when i came and saw you live is 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 your your kids are just want you know got up and just started playing the drums and you know so small but you know we're just doing such a good job i was like oh shit yeah they they, they love it and they well they put a lot of work in it so luca my big one is actually playing grade six of trinity already so he reads drum amazingly and it's funny they're very different so the big one it's really good and reads really well the small one has an absolutely earring and it would copy anything that he listens to it but yeah. cannot read really well but the teacher is like he he can't believe it he goes bruno sometimes he can't read this and he says to him pedro stand up so he goes on the drum kit plays and pedro sit there and plays after the same thing right after he just goes like, i can't believe that like it's just and I say, well, yeah, me neither. <laughs> so it's good for me as a bass player to have two drums at home. Luca is due to replace Frankie in um, 2025. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just touched on what I wanted to ask there. By I was going to ask, are you guys going to be like the like the Wiggles, not in music, but in the sense that you guys will never, the Fire Glow band will never stop. It'll just be retaken over and... Uh, <laughs> No, our next album's called Big Red Car, actually. We're <laughs> going to do a cover. Uh, look, um, you know, look, something we've talked about, you know, we've only been together since 2018. But, uh, you know, fast friends. And, um, you know, I, I can't say it's not making music um, ever, really. Um, you know, there might be times where it's on and off. We, we can't tell that. But uh, we're all really good friends, you know. And I don't think that's the case in all bands. Uh, it's not always like that um so we've become a little bit like family so yeah i i certainly don't see us stopping anytime soon um not even covid can stop us so. <laughs> we keep them going oh man that, that that's good to hear like if, if i feel like if you're a band and you're friends and family from the like and you have that dynamic you're going to be around for a long time and yeah. you're very lucky to have that too as well like that's something to that's think. true 
that's true. It, it's a rare thing. And I think we're all, you know, it's smart enough to realize that, you know, that when, when you've got something good, um, yeah, because it, it's a rare thing, you know, how I wonder how many bands just sort of come and go and, but this feels a bit more special. It's not just a, a, a regular band. Um, I'm not saying we're, you know, going to be anything more than that, but, you know, playing with people that you really get along with uh, and care about, well, that's, that's all you can ever ask for. And for Chris and I in particular, you know, the fact that like, for years we always wished, oh, if only we had a drum and a bass player who wanted to play with us. We didn't know one wanted to play with us. <laughs> and maybe because we weren't very good, I don't know. But, you know, we never take for granted this idea that we've got this amazing drummer and bass player who like our songs and want to play them. So, yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. Yeah, man, like that, you know, just look after it. Well, do as Frank is oh, sorry, as Sean said, uh, you know, I've been in a lot of bands and I've never been in a band that's like this in terms of friendship. Like we respect each other a lot and there was never a fight or anything. Yeah, we can, you know, talk about things and say, I think this way, you think that way. There's a lot of respect. And I think because we are, you know, a bit more mature as well and getting white beard and getting old. But uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. And the fact that I said this to Sean another day, I say like, you know, in this band, we are, we are friends above anything. So I cannot see us, as he said, stopping making music together because I believe that we're going to be friends until the last day we live. So, you know, it's, it's we always going to be playing music at some sort of level. I don't know how it's going to be, but yeah, hopefully we fire glow. Shut up. Seriously. Come on. Hey, hey. Drink your water, man. <laughs> You're a gentleman. You're just yeah, a gentleman. I know, I know. <laughs> and um, I, <laughs> off the off the air before we started this interview, I was saying one of the best things about seeing you guys live was the not just the music is fantastic, but on, on top of that, you it's like the the comedy that you guys you know just the bantering and the also the the way that you're able to you know make jokes with the audience and the fact that you had everyone laughing sean is like i've been to some like stand-up comedy you know comedy gigs and you know you you're making people laugh effortlessly you've 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 definitely mastered uh something there well thank you well with a, with a face like this it, it's not too bad but um yeah look it, as i was saying to you before I, I, I love going to gigs where the, the band or the performer, whoever it is, um, engages with the audience. It's nothing worse than, you know, you're in the audience, you think, are they enjoying themselves? Sometimes they take themselves too seriously. And I, I made mention before that we're not that sort of band. We, we don't, don't take ourselves too seriously. We, we do laugh a lot, actually, um, amongst ourselves. And, you know, it can, it can let the, the audience's guard down a bit. It's like, oh, they're having fun. They're just like us. We can have fun too. Uh, I, I, I don't think I'm very funny. Um, Bruno is a cracker. Bruno cracks me up. But yeah, that, that is our approach, you know, not, not to take ourselves too seriously and, and just make the audience feel uh, part of it, I guess. Yeah, man. Well, it certainly, it certainly works. Like I think watching you guys was the fastest gig I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like you, it almost felt like it was over because you had, you know, held like the room's attention for the entirety of that you played. Uh, that's really kind of you. Thanks. Thanks. It's good to know. 
Um, maybe not every gig's like that, but that 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 was a particularly good gig. I enjoyed that one. Um, and 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 yeah, that that was the gig that Bruno's kids got up. That was a huge highlight. Uh, but again, that's that kind of approach where you know if if you're taking yourself too seriously, you're not going to have your kids come up on stage and play with you. And I think people like that because a lot of the people in the audience, people are sort of our age. They're not young, you know, like teenage sort of kids. They're people who are just out for a good time and they like to see the family thing and, uh, you know, the, having a good time, having a bit of a laugh as well. So that's our approach. Unless there was any drummers in the audience and they would have wanted to, they would have probably wanted to quit playing drums after they saw Bruno's kids. <laughs> <laughs> also funny. <laughs> That, that yeah could be could be <laughs> all right guys well i think we've touched bases on on everything that i you know i wanted to ask but before we start to wrap this up paul is there anything that you want to add yeah i was gonna say something ages ago when you said um when hamish when you were told by your teacher that the beatles were not around and you say you want you will not meet paul but you have you've met paul but it wasn't paul you met me the wish version. <laughs> so she wasn't completely wrong. <laughs> well, well there I guess, you I go. Hamish at the wrong That's time is right. spitting out water as well. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I thought I'd bring that one up before this closes. But yeah, you're right about the kids thing. I, wore, I saw an ACDC tribute band where these guys have been doing for ages, famous band. They've been friends with Malcolm Young and all that. And I went to the Hard Rock Cafe gig with Hamish and they had a, just a table full of their kids. And all they do is we're standing, sitting there with the arms crossed because I've seen it before. Oh, there's, there's, dad, there's dad at his work. And then you've got the guy who plays Angus Young. He's on the table doing Angus Young. And there's just like arms crossed. Like, oh, yeah, this is just dad doing his job. That's probably what it's like with you guys, with your kids. No, because they're getting them, they're getting them up on the up stage, and, and playing. Yeah. yeah. Those, yeah. those, those poor kids were like, oh, this is dad. That he's yeah. doing this. He's done this on Friday. <laughs> on a Friday night. night yeah. Doing it today doing and he's this. doing it next Thursday again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it becomes a bit tricky as well because um, I go to gigs now and they're like, can we go? Can we go? Can we play? Can we play? I say, listen, it's not every time, you know, calm down. <laughs> when, <laughs> when there is a chance, you will have it. So it's like they want to come to watch us play but most of the time we play you know night time and places that are not suitable for kids so every time there is a festival or something open air and that's a big highlight for them because they can see me and sometimes you know they hop on the stage for a little bit and we play something with them and uh, yeah so that becomes that's the two sides of it yeah well at least there's no stage fright like at least you've sandpapered yeah. that day <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah, man. they get that from Bruno for sure. Oh, no. It's too yeah. shaky, man. I shake because of Sean. Sean is too tough. You get a, yeah, there you go. Look at his face. If you get a wrong note, he will slap you. So, <laughs> oh, Wait till this interview is finished, mate. I know you're going to ring me up. I know, I know. Don't worry. Sean. We'll keep the interview running just in case for evidence, all right? Yeah, to keep me alive as well. I'll get Chris on you. Okay. Oh, no, 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 the cage fighter, no, please don't. How did oh, you gosh. end up with the name, the, the, the cage fighter? Oh, I'm Chris out. Is huge. Like... <laughs> Chris is very muscly and a very, you know, very bulky guy. So me, me and Frank, we looked at him and said, mate, he, you know, he's probably was a cage fighter. And uh, so we don't know this story, but the story says that he, 
he actually you know beat up uh, McGregor twice. So you're not sure. We laugh, but you know what? Our Chris is the strongest in the band, I reckon, by far. Probably physically, like he, he works uh, in um, conservation. He's a conservationist, yeah, and so he's really out, cool job. Yeah. yeah, he's outside all the time, and you know chainsaws and axes and all this sort of thing. And I reckon he could chuck Bruno across the room. He, 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 Frankie, no problem. He, well, he I would love to be with like Chris because I wouldn't have this, you know, 30 or 40 kilos extra that I'm trying to lose. I've tried to give him to anybody. He didn't want to take it. He didn't want it? No. no. Uh, you and me so, both, Bruno. I wish I could give weight to other people to lose it for me. I'm, not that's right. I'm trying their hardest. I say, Chris, take 20, mate. And he goes, nah, nah, nah it's fine. So, no. Frankie's got nothing. Um, you know, Frankie rides his bike all the time and he's a drummer. So he's super fit guy. You know, he might be, he's, he's the eldest in the band, but I reckon he's the fittest. He's crazy. Well, yeah, he's the fittest because he's single, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to look good. Not a worry in the world. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you never see an overweight drummer, do you? Like, like I'm well, just trying to think of one in my head. I just uh, John Bonham was probably, John well, Bonham was pretty Yeah, cool. I think towards the end, they all got a bit like, you know, if you think about Keith Moon, John Bonner, we, they all got fat because of the drinking and, and drugs. So I don't know. I can't see Frankie that much, but maybe we can, you know, we can yeah, give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> Let's feed him up and see what happens. Yep. <laughs> oh, Frankie. No, he's a good boy. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a top player. He's a good player. He gives us Arnold's biscuits all the time. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> No. Love the team, team. Well, it's good to see that he's feeding you boys. And um, before we wrap this up, guys, is there anything that you guys want to say before we finish the interview? I don't know, Bruno. Did, did, I don't know Bruno's given a plug for you know the the gigs that we've got coming up. Um, yeah, I, I got nothing else to add. It's been great. It's been great. Oh, but this interview is going to come up after the gig so there is a gig uh, that this interview might be able to advertise which is in the bunk hotel in newtown on the 6th of november so that's after this thing goes live so mm -hmm. if you want to you know if you want to see us live bank hotel newtown 6th of november we're looking forward to this one as well beautiful well, cool i didn't know we had that one well i put in a diary man bank hotel um what was the other one it was a botany view what what happened is that one happening? Oh, oh, maybe it's a botany view. I just got the name of the place. You better wrong. get it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new town. You to go to new town. <laughs> All right, botany view. So that's the you one. Better, you better say that one again, uh, Bruno. Because yeah, you better say the yourself that. Um, okay. What What was the date? Shit. Six. Sixth of Sixth of November. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay. Um, well, yeah, we, we're looking to play at the Botany View Hotel on the 6th of November. So I think that's back on. Yeah. Uh, so looking forward to that. So hopefully that's the next gig after this interview. It should be good. Perfect, guys. Everybody, thanks for coming on. And everybody go um, check out Fireglow's music, like and subscribe, all their socials, and check them out. Yeah, and thanks, Hamish and Paul, for having us. It's been a blast. And yeah, really appreciate you, you know, you know, giving us this opportunity. And keep Keep going. It's awesome. Perfect. Thank you very much, man. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys.